Enterprise Management 360, your main source for tech news, analysis, podcasts, and videos for the enterprise. Hello and welcome to the EM360 podcast with our Ask the Expert series, a weekly conversation with people who are impacting the enterprise tech landscape. My name is Max Skirton, Editor-in-Chief here at EM360 and your host on today's podcast. Now, in today's podcast, I'm being joined by Dr. Galina Datskowski, who's the CEO at Vaporstream, an enterprise communication platform that enables truly private business conversations. So welcome, Galina, and thank you very much for coming on today's podcast. Thank you so much. I'm really looking forward to it. So am I. I'm looking forward to what we get to cover today. But before we get into the subject matter, would you mind just giving our listeners a little bit of background on yourself? Oh, absolutely. So I've been in the field of cybersecurity, governance and compliance for the past 25 years. And that's really been across smaller companies, startups, and very large tech giants like HP and CA. So I've really had a vast array of experience with different size clients, with the regulatory landscape, etc. My background is also very technical, and I have a doctorate in artificial intelligence, actually. So I bring to this expert, to this field, if you will, a variety of expertise, both from a technology perspective as well as from the compliance perspective. And I'm particularly looking forward to this conversation because I think all of these are so relevant, and especially now, given the changed environment we find ourselves in. Mm-hmm. Couldn't agree more. And a lot of uh, what you specialize in is what I like talking about. And I think you're the perfect person for the job because in today's episode, we're going to be talking about secure messaging platforms and why they've grown in importance, especially during the coronavirus pandemic. And to kick off the podcast, I wanted to ask you to outline to us why privacy is more important than ever amid the coronavirus outbreak. Oh, absolutely. Not to say that privacy wasn't important before, but I no. think the pandemic really brought it home a bit because all of a sudden, in a very, very quick second, people found themselves working from home. And just before the podcast started, we talked about the fun things about working from home, like <laughs> maybe having your dog around or maybe for some people having their kids around is fun. <laughs> but there are also some real challenges because maybe we weren't quite prepared for the kind of privacy requirements. So for example, maybe we were very ready to pop into a colleague's office and talk about a private conversation or just pop into HR. And typically being in an office environment and being able to have those sidebars and quick discussions is really taken for granted and all of a sudden you don't have it. So how do you really duplicate it? Well, of course you could pick up the phone and call, but you don't always get people. It's very, very complicated to get people by phone. Alternate modes of communication are email and other kinds of messaging that we could talk about. But how comfortable do we feel to have a super private conversation in the traditional modes? I, for one, don't, because we know email is by no means private in any way. Text messaging is certainly not private. And plus, it remains on the devices forever. It could come back and haunt you. It could be forwarded to other people. There are all kinds of questions of how do you have that private conversation? So that's kind of point one. Point two, there's some very sensitive subjects that people have had to deal with. Like even, for example, okay, so I've been diagnosed with COVID. 
Do I want to discuss that very publicly? Do I want to keep those conversations very private? Do I want to have private conversations with my healthcare provider? Although I want to have them at all times, but particularly about these sensitive subjects. And what if my loved one is in a hospital or a, let's say, long-term care facility? How do I continue to have private discussions with the caregivers when I can't be there? So all of these things came to the forefront and rather quickly for many people without giving them the opportunity to really prepare and have plans for how that was going to happen. So I really think the pandemic just brought home the points that we were already grappling with, but we were just thrown into the thick of it without very much warning. I think that's a very key point. It was very sudden, especially here in the UK. It was literally a day's notice of, of going into lockdown and a lot of organizations weren't prepared. Security was obviously a focus, but maybe not so much the conversation around security of conversation internally. Everyone just assumed, oh, we've got Slack or we've got this, it's fine. And no one really took into account for a long period of time. And how long did you think it took for people to realize this is an important element that needs to be addressed? I think some people in some industries were already realizing it and had laid some infrastructure. Mm. And I think for other people, it maybe took a couple of weeks. So I would say days to weeks. I'll kind of give you an example. We had a client, I won't name the client, but it happened to be a major university that purchased our system in the beginning of the year. And their plan was really to have a scheduled rollout right in the beginning of 2020. Nobody expected 2020 to turn out the way it did, right? We had a normal scheduled rollout, and they specifically uh, bought the system for executive communication to have some privacy. The pandemic hit and the lockdown hit, and all of a sudden they said, okay, we need an accelerated rollout. People are talking about locking down. We might all have to work from home. We need to be up on this. And during the pandemic and the chaos, they realized very, very quickly that, goodness, they're going to have to have a confidential way of communicating with each other because suddenly there are a lot of things to cope with and they have to be coped with with people being in remote locations and not being able to get together, no meetings. And yes, you could have virtual meetings, but what if you just had to have a sidebar discussion, quick conversation, you couldn't just pick up and call, but you need to have the asynchronicity of texting. So P.S., the rollout happened in several days. It was amazing. And during the pandemic, their traffic was off the chart. And it made sense because there was a lot of discussion during the height of the lockdown, just off the charts, because people were still dealing with a lot of issues and needed to have these discussions. I think for some people, it was a very quick realization. And for others, it came later. What we found, for example, is in the healthcare industry, a lot of our customers ended up deploying a whole lot of extra licenses because suddenly other parties had to be brought into the conversation. Depending on where you stood and what industry you were in, I think it took more or less time, anywhere from even just as the lockdowns were announced to a couple of weeks into the lockdown when they realized that they weren't coming out anytime quickly. Definitely. And I think for a lot of people, it was accelerated way past what they were originally planning anyway, because a lot of these plans have been in the works for a while, as you say, but this has kind of pushed it to the forefront even more. So I think that was interesting. Absolutely. I guess necessity, right? 
we'll yeah, do that. Exactly. <laughs> Forced to hand. Um, so another area I wanted to kind of ask you about from mainly a hypothetical standpoint is what features might a secure messaging platform have to uphold the privacy and improve that critical communications? What's the key kind of features that we're looking at here? I'll answer that in a couple of ways, because typically when people say a secure platform, right? And again, it's not my definition, but the world's definition usually implies encryption, okay? And so I look at encryption as sort of a foundation. If you don't have encryption, it's pretty hard to claim you're secure, right? Because obviously, if your messages are not encrypted, it could be intercepted. So your carrier text, for example, is not secure. It's not encrypted, it's not secure. It's just, that's how it is. But like I said, security is foundation. It's just the first level. A secure messaging platform is not equal to private. So what do I mean by that? Let's say WhatsApp. I use WhatsApp, lots of people use WhatsApp, right? It's definitely a secure platform in most countries, right? And it's end-to-end encrypted. And I can send a message to somebody and it will be safe from being intercepted in the middle. However, if you send me a WhatsApp message and I decide to forward it to somebody else or I decide to post it on Facebook or retweet it or do anything else with it, cut and paste, put it on my clipboard, I can do all of those things because once you send it to me, I am now in control of that message. That by definition means it's not private right? If you send me a WhatsApp picture by WhatsApp, a photo, by default, that photo goes into my camera roll on my phone, right? That's the default setting. My camera roll gets backed up to various cloud providers. My camera roll is accessed by multiple apps, right? By definition, that is not private. So I always want to point out that security and privacy are two complementary but not identical things. If I want to have true privacy, I need to have something more in a way of content control, meaning my content is my content. If I want to share it with you privately, then I want to make sure that only you see it or only people I authorize to see it, see it, right? I don't want you to forward it to anybody you choose, only to anybody I choose to allow you to do so. I don't want you to be able to post it to maintain my privacy, right? If I send you a private photo, let's say in patient care, let's say a picture of a wound or something else that is HIPAA specific, like a photo of my insurance card, I want that to remain private. I don't want it to go to your camera roll because that's how information gets stolen, right? I want that information to be contained and remain with you for legitimate use. So it's a very, very important distinction, which I think most people don't realize exists. Security does not equal privacy. So I think that is the key and crux of a vapor stream. We say it's not enough to be secure. You have to be secure with privacy if you want to facilitate confidential communication private communication. I think that's something I just wanted to nuance as I was answering your question. No, I think that's very true. And it's interesting that 
people still aren't grasping the difference between the two. And WhatsApp's a great example because so many companies will have a WhatsApp group chat for their employees to, to message about, oh, I'm running late because doctors and details get shared in there. And you're 100% right. Information can be lost quite quickly. How do you think we get to a point then of people understanding that difference and being more conscious when they are sending things and understanding the apps that they're using to convey messages and information? Is it purely just drilling in education again and again and again? Or do you think we'll get to a point where people will just understand the difference? That's a great question. I think organizationally, corporations have an obligation to make a clear distinction for when privacy is required. So I think the first thing is maybe rather than just educating the consumer and the user, which of course is also the employee, it's very important for the businesses to grasp and understand that distinction. Because a lot of that information that needs to be private and confidential is in the work context, right? Whether you're a healthcare provider and you're sharing sensitive patient data, which requires you to maintain privacy with the user, whether you are having, uh, let's say, compensation discussions, which are highly private and confidential, and you want to have those in a forum that is not going to leak out to your entire organization, that's an important consideration. By the way, I specifically use that example because in one of my previous lives, right, in a client, somebody accidentally sent out a spreadsheet from HR, which contained the compensation for all the executives of the company. And it's a human error thing, but it should never go through email. Those kinds of communications should never go through email to begin with. It would have been a lot less deadly to the company had they not been doing that. So I think the business's understanding it is really, really important. Educating the consumers on privacy is also very, very difficult because people want convenience and ease of use. And we live in a society that gives some lip service to privacy, but people want to post and share pretty much everything, right? So for people to realize the consequences and the potential information theft that could happen is a hard re-education. I think to some extent we're seeing that happen because of the pandemic and maybe because of some of the articles that we've seen written recently about applications like TikTok and Zoom that are full of security violations that could make things such that, for example, I'll just give you an example, TikTok, right, gets permissions to your clipboard, which means anything you put to your clipboard from your device could be theoretically read by TikTok, even if not in the context of TikTok, right? So now again, people who are in the field, we're very conscious, we read the reports. I think podcasts like yours and publications really have some obligation maybe to educate the world about the differences and where certain means of communication is appropriate and where they're not so appropriate if you want to maintain your privacy. In all honesty, I could do another one two podcasts on this topic because it's something i find really interesting in terms of especially app permissions and people's education going forward because i think we're at a very pivotal point with how we handle technology and how we handle applications that people need to get 
ingrained now to have a better security in the future. So I find this a very pivotal and interesting time going forward for how people kind of approach these different areas. Oh, absolutely. And I think you're really doing a big service to the community because education comes with awareness. Mm -hmm. And I think having more recordings like this, more articles about this, does bring that awareness. It's true. We we do try and bash people over the head every day <laughs> to, to try and get it to go in. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Speaking of that, there's another element I want to touch on because when we're talking about these um, secure messaging platforms, a couple of things that are coming out are obviously the open source element. And open source is very important for the development of security and all aspects of what we cover. But are there any privacy or security shortfalls associated with open source solutions? Open source per se is not necessarily a bad thing at all. So using open source componentry in an application may be quite valid and may be a very good thing. A lot of times open source security might be vetted by the community and there's lots of benefits to it, right? The downside to it is you don't know really who owns that and what might change in it, right? So does anybody have anything? Again, you're relying on the community to vet it, and that's a good thing. But there's certainly a reason why most government organizations won't accept open source, because they want to have the certainty that it's not maybe, it's definitely, right? Mm -hmm. So... I love to say all open source solutions are not a good thing and all open source components are not a good thing because sometimes they are. But if it's a component, how is it used? How is it incorporated? How is it vetted? Do you, does the company that use it run it through some third-party testing in addition to whatever was vetted by the community? would be definitely a question I would ask. And if I were in a very highly sensitive area, government, critical infrastructure, anything like that, probably wouldn't go for open source at all because I would want to be sure of the provenance of everything that's happening. Probably wouldn't go for, not probably, but definitely wouldn't go for applications built in certain countries for the same reason. So... I think that's the trickiness of the open source. You know, it's not good or bad. It's not a disqualifier. It depends. I'm very much in the same boat as you. I'm a big advocate for open source because the idea of sharing knowledge and improvement is always important. But as you say, it's each one of those components. If there's one weak link, then the whole thing can kind of fall apart and open the organization up to a lot of risks. So it's a difficult kind of question to answer for sure. But I've got one kind of final question here to wrap up what we've been discussing as kind of an overall theme. I wanted to get your thoughts on what's kind of next for secure messaging platforms or what you hope is next and whether you think that after this pandemic, when things start to return to some normalcy, will privacy become even more of a focus for organizations? Again, a wonderful question, because I kind of like to answer it from the perspective of what I hope is next, <laughs> because the pessimistic part of me says people will revert to business as usual really quickly, unfortunately, but the optimist in me wants to believe that something will be learned from this, right? And I am very much hoping that 
privacy in particular will be taken a little bit more seriously. I think people have seen firsthand how important privacy is, how easy it is to maybe have your privacy violated or invaded inadvertently because you've made the information available, essentially. And maybe something to think about is how to protect yourself, whether yourself means you personally as a consumer or yourself could mean the organization, not just from a security perspective, but how to make sure that even people who are entitled to information, right, because they're employees, etc., maintain the privacy. We've seen so much leaking, for example. How do you make things less leakable, if you will? That's not the word, but hey, let's make it up. <laughs> right. So if you don't want your information to leak, which you generally don't, and you want to have it contained, how do you do it? And I think that's where the messaging platforms need to focus. And there's an interesting, by the way, if you will, contradiction here, because the more secure and the more private you make an application, generally, the more difficult to use and the more difficult to be compliant you make an application, right? So this push and pull between privacy and compliance, for example. So ultimate privacy is I send you a message I'm in control. You can't keep a copy of that message. You can't forward that message. It's my content. And ultimately, I want it really to disappear from your device at some point, because why should it stay on your device forever? That's not privacy, right? Who knows? Who sees your device? Where does it go? Why should you have it? But compliance might dictate that, goodness, I need that message retained for three years because that's what the regulator wants me to have, right? Now, the regulators, they never said they want you to have it on your mobile device. They say you have to have it. So how do you put it into a secure archive where you have the one true copy of record where you could protect it, you could control access to it, you could discover or produce it for the regulators or for legal reasons, but it's not going to be walking around on a million devices of the people who received it originally. Those are the interesting things. Like we deal with that at VaporStream, right? We provide that capability. Those are the interesting things for people to consider. I think the takeaway should be that privacy, security, compliance, and usability have to come to a happy marriage. And that's what the applications need to provide, that happy marriage. That's what I'm hoping for the future. That's where we are at VaporStream. We're constantly striving to, for a good balance between those four elements. And I think if those four elements come to a good balance, we will see better adoption and we will see better usage and therefore better protection of information for those critical items, ultimately for consumers, which will generally imply less cyber threats. And that's really what we are striving for. I couldn't agree more with that unity. And I hope uh, that's something we definitely see in the future. And I think it is definitely on the cards. It's just having businesses implement that idea going forward. So, Galina, all I can say is thank you very much for coming on to this podcast. It has been an absolute pleasure talking to you and going through all of this. So thank you for coming on. Well, thank you for having me. I thoroughly enjoyed it. It was a great conversation.
Excellent. And thank you, everyone, who took the time to listen to this podcast. If you'd like more information on what we spoke about today, then, of course, please head on over to VaporStream.com. We'll be back next week with another episode in our Ask the Expert series. In the meantime, you can head on over to our socials to continue the conversation at Ian360 on Twitter and LinkedIn. And, of course, for more great daily content, head on over to Ian360Tech.com. You've been listening to the EM360 Podcast. For more great content, head on over to em360tech.com.